decent strike to the fair. Sends him up and fans mental. I'll tell you what, that is a decent goal of chunk of respect. That is a banger of a shot. Happy Monday, not Friday. Uh, welcome to the Anytime Notebook. That was Harry Gas Vlog on YouTube, who I did a bit of searching for and, and, and found some commentary around Jensen Weir's opening strike for Morecambe. He had a perfect view from the uh, from the home end last weekend. It meant that we snaffled a nice 14 to 1 winner for the Anytime Notebook, which was good. There's two of us here. Uh, John, we're here on a Monday. Feels very much like a Friday anyway, because we are a day away from a full EFL slate, which is nothing new. Um, Disappointing about the weekend, but nothing that we can do about that for very good reason. John, how are you? What are you? Talk us through a bit of your reflection. Seems a long time ago, right? Now that we were we were reflecting on Jensen Weir's opening strike, but anything you noticed? Good evening as well. Yeah, great, uh, great work with Mister Weir to start with. Maybe we should back a few more Morecambe players. What do you think? Um, I think that's my extensive list of backing Morecambe players is over. And yeah, I think I think that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure someone uh, yeah, else. Probably, someone else. Uh, yeah, just uh, just a few. Um, as, as you say, it seems a hell of a long time ago now. But um, Edmondson wasn't in the squad for it, which I did back Burgess in the end, who had two fairly good chances. One deflected over that could have gone in on another day. Um, Ipswich did score from a corner, so that was kind of the theory. It was the smallest man on the pitch, but you know that's the way it goes. Um, <laughs> Chambers was quiet, bar not even really a chance in the last couple of minutes. Uh, Dalyson had two targets from corners. Um, loyal listener Ross McIntosh on Twitter pointed out that pre-game, and he was double the price. So that was a good shout from him, even though it didn't come off. That was a good um, shout from Ross, who who always has some little gems of opinions. He seems to uh, spot the ones I miss at double the price. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to start a podcast. Um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we'll have to. We'll get him on here soon enough, Ross. If you if you're listening up for it, then we could. Um, yeah, good idea. The only there's a few others, but I won't go on. But the one game that I thought was interesting was we both liked Pierre Gianni. He was kept very quiet by Crew, and they did actually. You wouldn't have had much faith in Crew scoring from a corner in that game, and it was good old Rod McDonald. Um, it wouldn't be a game you would have entertained the Crew defender in. So. Is that a sign that they're stronger this season in that department, or is it a one-off? What do you think on that? Potentially, I mean, it it, it feels a bit. I feel a bit guilty to be honest. You know, on a weekend when Rod McDonald scored and Paul Huntington scored for for Carlisle as oh, well, that we were. Yeah. Yeah. I felt a bit guilty that we were we were cheering on what a twenty-year-old Morecambe midfielder in the in the league above. It feels a bit. It feels a bit insulting, I guess, to the Anytime Notebook that we've let some stalwarts pass us by and <laughs> score. You know. Without a penny on, so um, so well done to that. I don't know whether they'll be popping up again anytime soon, but yeah, the only other, uh, again, this seems a long time ago, but it wasn't. But I did watch the whole of the Forest Green Accrington game on Tuesday, wasn't it? Um, yeah, talk talk about an entertaining life when you're watching that on a uh, on the <laughs> on the stream. But it was a um, 
it was pretty poor quality game. There was the goals came from absolutely nowhere. They were well taken goals and quite well crafted, but they never looked like coming. They just sort of came out of nothing. Both sides looked like lacking a lot of creativity. It was worrying from Accrington point of view that the only creativity came from Mitch Clark from right back. Mm-hmm. Um he did a couple of absolutely fantastic open play runs. One of them led to the equaliser at the time. Uh, going on the set piece front, Doug Tharm's long throw is definitely dangerous. Um, and they did it. They had a good mix of going short and directly into the box. And they had a few on another day. One of those could have dropped in. Um, Sean McConville's delivery wasn't very good because they had a lot of corners in the first half. So again, on another day, I was a bit worried with Doug Tharm looked. I don't want to be too harsh, but he looked a little bit out of his depth. Uh, a few times in the first half, he just absolutely smashed it into the stand under no pressure. Um, it's kind of bizarre. It's the sort of thing you don't see that much anymore, not in League One anyway. Uh, it, it, it was just complete, you know, complete hoof from nowhere. He's not the quickest. He, he's strong in the tackle. Um, but like I say, his long throw is... I don't know, it'd be interesting to see when they get Nottingham back, etc. how much he'll play, because I think that throws tempting, but I'm not convinced by him generally. On the Forest Green um, point of view, Miles Park-Harris was named man of the match on the stream. I probably agreed with that. He looks like he can do a bit of everything. He stood up well physically to Tommy Lee and uh, Coyle in the first half before he got taken off before he sent off. Uh, it could be, could be the difference for Forest Green between them well, they're probably going to struggle, but he, he, he could just be that spark because he, he looked good going going both ways. Um, the That's the third game in a row he's been named man of the match. The makeshift makeshift defence they had coped okay, um, but especially early on, there were a few times they let the ball bounce, things like that. So I was keen on getting against them at Peterborough at the weekend, but that's not to be now. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of a bit of a ramble about that game on uh, whenever it was nearly a week ago now John I can I can hear the round of applause from um from all of our listeners he managed to get through an Accrington review without mentioning <laughs> Harvey Rogers so small wins, yeah, it's, small uh, wins ma- ma- makeshift left back at the moment and he um uh bless it he's he's a real real good uh, professional and he, he tries hard but he, he offers nothing going forward on the left because he's <laughs> <laughs> he's constantly cutting back in. This is false praise, but you know he, he did have a few half, not even chances. But they could have dropped him in the box. Um, a good, thanks, John. Yeah, a good week, I think, for backing uh, the situation instead of the player, which is always the conundrum facing goal scorer backers, isn't it? It's, do you do you stick with familiar names, people that are you know high productivity, but it probably in the wrong spot for good reason, really? I guess that we we. We did all the prep on Friday, but that Saturday's prep goes out the window, really, because it's a new set of fixtures, new set of challenges. Um, so we've approached this this Tuesday with, with a fresh set of eyes, all of which leads me into say, John, do you want to set us up? I think we go to your nap, which is in League Two, uh, a Walsall team that, um, that yeah, you, you know, on the, showing up quite well on the data. And um, I, I think you've got a, a, a Walsall centre after to do us a favour on Tuesday night. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, the nap is Donveron Daniels at 20s for Walsall against Colchester. Now, this might be a case of after Lord Mayor's show, after the imposing Montserratian defender notched from one of his six attempts at Bradford last time. So that was as many as he's managed the rest of the season combined. So it could be an outlier, but 
and his career record of a, 11 in 250 suggests it is. Um, Michael Flynn's been banging on about improving in both boxes towards the end of last week uh, in, in the previews for the abandoned game at the weekend and the excellent performance, but not the result against Bradford. Uh, if they can continue that here against basically middling Colchester, you're not dying to get against them, as I mentioned when I was with them last week, but they're, they're never never completely watertight. So I think 20s is, is okay for Domber and Daniels. I'm going to go to my nap for uh, Sutton versus Swindon or the other way around. Um, I think Swindon are at home. I like the away side here. In fact, I really like Sutton full stop. Um, data is, is far and away in their favour in that division. Back then, 7-2, top seven with Betway over the weekend as well when I was contemplating life. Um, 2-1 win against Mansfield at the end of August. You know, It feels like one of those marquee performances in League Two so far when you look down the results. And I'm not quite sure that they're getting the recognition that they deserve. Only Mansfield have got a higher XG than Sutton this season today. You know, lots of that came. I think you were um, Doncaster Sutton, weren't you, earlier in the season, John? And Sutton created a whole host of chances and Doncaster nicked it at the end. Even despite that result, you know, it's been a consistent XG performance ever since. Swindon, yeah, probably, you know, poor in a couple of places, I guess. Bottom four side in terms of expected goals against and the bare results probably don't do justice to some of their defensive frailties. I think they're they're pretty high on the list of, of, of XG um, conceded from, from set pieces as well. So we talk about Swindon. Um, those of you that listen to the podcast plenty of times will know what name I'm going to put up next. It's Joe Kizzy at 14. He's probably the defender most due in the fourth tier. 11 shots crossed all competitions this season. Outstanding XG. Couple cleared off the line against Harrogate last time out. I'm watching pretty much every one of these chances from set pieces. You know, in another season, he's probably got three goals already, which which probably, you know, puts the puts the 14s closer to eights, nines or, or tens. Just a nice spot here, I think, for Kizzy against the side that tops the, the XGA set pieces tables. Uh, he scored in this fixture last year, which is just the icing on the cake for, for a goal scorer backer. So uh, notebook alumni, uh, the nap for me comes from Swindon Sutton and it's Joe Kizzy at 14 to 1. Yeah, I like that one. He's he's always a threat, Kizzy, and he uh, he's definitely been unlucky this season. The next best for me, may be familiar if you listened last week, it's George Edmondson at 16 for Ipswich at home to Bristol Rovers. Uh, now, getting a non-runner at the moment for me is like having a winner, so I was quite happy with that. Uh, uh, he actually did a bit, before I put this selection up, I've actually done a bit of reading from McKenna, um, Ipswich coach, and it looks like he was left out the 16 purely due to the physical nature of Accrington rather than any other reason. And that was the same reason he gave earlier in the season. So I'd imagine he'd be back here because Bristol Rovers don't carry anything like that sort of threat. And Edmonton is regarded as the best on the ball of the uh, th- five centre-back options they've got there now. Now, Bristol Rovers are given up plenty, as we've both mentioned before. And they've actually got a little bit of a crisis in defence, uh, Everton Loney, Lewis Gibson was out for the Morecambe game, but he was expected to be back at the weekend. But I read something from Joe Barton today saying that he's actually going to be out for longer because they can't risk rushing him back. So they're missing him, they're missing Connolly, and they're missing Gibbons as well. So 
they're down to the bare bones, as they say, in defence. Um, as mentioned earlier, Ipswich did score from the from a corner last weekend, so hopefully they can do it again here. I think this is a great spot for for Edmonton. You would certainly kind of one on my list as well. I, th- I think the uncertainty, John, about him starting or not is being reflected in some of the prices, which I think you probably take advantage yeah. of. You know, as short as thirteen to two in places and as big as sixteen. So um, it's a it's a short price to pay to back him to find out whether he starts. I guess, and um, yeah, th- th- this could be exactly the right spot for him against that that Bristol Rovers side, as you. Um, astutely picked up my next best uh, look full of recency bias this one but the cancellation of the weekend's games did at least give Alex Neal some extra days to embed his wisdom into his new Stoke players Ben Wilmot scored against Reading and I think this is a nice spot for him to follow up straight away when the Potters visit Hull. Um, it says on my list that Hull have conceded four from set pieces. I can't remember them all, but there's definitely there's only one from a Coventry corner and there was another in the 5-2 defeat to West Brom as well. Um, just looking through my notes here as well. Bradford scored from a well-worked corner in that EFL Cup first round game as well. So either way, whichever way you look at it, Hull have still conceded 13 goals in their last four. Um, Stoke, you know, a good set piece side Aidan Flint takes plenty of attention but I think again he scored last time but that doesn't put me off still a good price let's add Ben Wilmot you know the only game he hasn't picked up a chance in this year is the Blackburn defeat where I think he started right back but much better in the middle let's back him to back up um, that goal he scored against Reading at 18 to 1 against Hull John, anything else that takes your fancy? Anything else that you liked um, on the on the card? Yeah, there's a couple of others. Uh, this is not a repeat, by the way, from a few weeks ago because uh, I mentioned Teddy Bishop um, for Lincoln, but he did have two good shots in the first ten minutes uh, again um, in the last game, and I don't think he's ever going to be fifteen to two again for a long time. But obviously, part of that is playing Derby. You would probably well, up there with the worst opponents possible. So I can give that a pass at that. The standout 15 to 2 is general, about 7 to 2. Uh, the other game is not so much Matt Clark for Borough, who I've mentioned a few times because he didn't really do a lot against Sunderland recently. And on harsh reflection, he hasn't really got that great a record as I, maybe I thought he had. But if you look at Cardiff, they've conceded three from set pieces in the, in the last four games. Um, and Steve Morrison said, I think it was before the weekend, this is a quote, we haven't got much of a choice, let's not focus on set plays, we have to defend them. Uh, that's not really glowing for me, you're not really suggesting they're putting any more work into it, and they're going with the centre-back pairing of Kipray and NG, which is a very good ball-playing uh, combination, and that's what they're trying to do, but NG's been a full-back for a long time, Um and he's not great in the air. Kipray is pretty good, but he's having to cover for NG as well, from what I can see. So I think all the time that they continue with those two, they're going to be chances against Cardiff. But at the price, I can't be interested in Clark for this game. But Cardiff is more of a team I'm keeping an eye on as to be against. 
Mm. A couple I liked at, at shorter prices, if you've read the um, strength of schedule piece on the blog, you were seeing positive mentions for Charlton. I think the three to one for Raksaki is a big price for a player that the yeah. seven shots in the area in the last two. If you're looking for a couple more to stick someone like him in with a, you know, a, 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 a little tricksy on a Tuesday night, then then pop in Tom Knowles at three to one for Warsaw at Colchester. I spoke already about Colchester's vulnerabilities and, and Warsaw might be being slightly underrated in, in most of the markets. And the third one in that Trixie, I think Harry Pell at uh, Wimbledon seems to have started well facing up against that Northampton side who are, are conceding for fun. So kind of what you got there, you got kind of three just off the front type players at what I thought were good prices in good spots. Skybet is your place to go for that Trixie. I've backed it. Um, let's keep fingers crossed that that goes well. John, what a what a nice, pleasant surprise to be talking on a Monday evening ahead of a Tuesday slate. That's um, if we if we do well, then it might be um, it might be the future of the anytime notebook Tuesdays and uh, Tuesdays and Mondays. Like I can't offer you any kind of paid work for the notebook, but um, you do we do it for the love of the, um, yeah, Harvey Rogers. This, this is the uh, this is the premium service that no one pays for. The premium service, just for one time, one more time, John. What 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 nationality was that Walsall defender again? As you're well aware, he was Montserratian. Yes. And on that note, <laughs> on the correct pronunciation, uh, we wish everyone good uh, and a profitable Tuesday and Wednesday night, whatever you're watching and whatever you're backing. Uh, John, we'll be back on Friday. Thanks for joining in this evening and um, we'll see you soon. Thanks, mate. Good luck, everybody.